Hey, I want to welcome all our visitors today. I'm Pastor Brett. Glad you're here today. But we got a special guest speaker going to be uh, speaking. He's in the house, and Rob's going to come and bring the word. Rob Arnold's coming. Y'all give him a hand clap. Set your heart to receive from the Lord today. Good morning, good morning. You know, it's, it, there's nothing like knowing that you've got to get up and speak and give a message in the, this morning and, and getting wrecked <laughs> during praise and worship. And uh, so, so thank you, praise team, for, for participating and wrecking me this morning. So, but this morning, the title of the message is, I Am the True Vine. And, and, and we're going to be camping out basically in the book of John for, for most of this message this morning. And, and the book of John was written by, well, John, right? So as he wrote this book, he was given a firsthand account of Jesus' life, his ministry. But he was also given us some insight into, into the teachings that he had for his disciples. See, Jesus was pouring into these guys, into these men, because he knew that these were going to be the guys that were ultimately carrying on his message after he was gone. In John 20, chapter, or John 20, 31, it says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in him. Also in the book of John, you'll find the, the seven I am statements that Jesus makes to, to basically reveal his, his identity and, and to identify the mission of his ministry. And they are, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, I am the true vine. See, in chapter 13, you, you'll see where, where John is writing about, about the, a time just before the Passover feast where, where Jesus and his disciples were, were in the upper room and, and they were what's known, they were hanging out together and they, they were participating in, in what we know as the Last Supper. See, Jesus knows that his time is coming. He's about to go to the cross and, 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 and he is, he's with his disciples and, and, and what he does is he actually does a foot washing with his disciples. This is one of the most humbling, most selfless acts that I think that I've ever experienced. It shows the love that he has for these men, his disciples. And a foot washing is also to symbolize the forgiveness that Jesus offers. It commands that, that they also offer this to other people. So I encourage you, if you have a few minutes, get into chapter 13. It's a very powerful chapter in, in the book of John. In John 14, this is where Jesus makes that grand declaration, the I am the way, I am the, the truth and I am the life. Throughout John chapter 14, Jesus is encouraging his disciples. He is teaching his disciples and, and telling them that, hey, listen, I'm getting ready to depart. I'm getting ready to go to the cross, and, and then I'm going to rise from the dead, and then I'm going to ascend to heaven. So, so this was kind of a, a serious, kind of a, a somber setting, if you will. Yet Jesus tells his disciples in verse 27, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I, I, would, I would feel troubled. I mean, here it is. Here's a man. Here's, here's the Messiah. Here, here's the person that I have followed just learning from him. You know, I left everything behind to, 
to follow you, Jesus, and now you're telling me you're leaving? I don't know about you, but the, the alarm bells would be rattling all inside of me. But Jesus says, hey, guys, listen, I, I know that I'm leaving, okay? And, and, and I know things are, are about to get rough. They're going to get tough. And I realize what you, what you think you have with me right now is great. But, but I want to promise you this. There's something better coming for you. I'm going to send forth my Holy Spirit. And at the end of John 14 and verse 23, Jesus tells his disciples, if anyone loves me, he will follow my word and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and, and make our dwelling, our home, our abode within him. See, Jesus says, we are coming. And we are going to make our dwelling in you. So, so the God of the universe is going to come and reside in you, hang out with you. See, just like in the Old Testament, Jesus or, or, or God would come and, and he would dwell in the tabernacles. He, he would dwell in the temples. But, but here he says, I'm going to come into your life and I'm going to dwell in you. I'm going to make my abode, my home in you. That word abode comes from, from the root word abide. And you may want to jot this verse down. This is not in your sermon notes. This is John 14, 25 through 27. And it says, these things I have spoken to you while remaining with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send my, in my name, he will teach you all of these things and remind you of all that I have said. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled nor fearful. Here, here Jesus is talking about his goal, his desire to, to dwell in his people. He, he wants to come through his Holy Spirit to live in and abide in the believer. See, this is a radical new idea of this time. I mean, but, but this, what does this mean for you and me? It means that we have an opportunity to have Jesus and the Holy Spirit live within us. This is his promise. This is what gives us hope as Christians. So that sets the stage for, for then what Jesus does leading into chapter 15. Hey, keep in mind, he's teaching here. This is, he's building into his disciples, and he gives this illustration of vines and branches. So let's read John 15, 1. It says, I am the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. It, 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 that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word, words which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So, so Jesus is obviously speaking to, to a group of men here who, who live in an agricultural society. They understand the concepts of, of vineyards and gardens, vines and branches. And during the time of Jesus, vineyards were very common in Israel. And, and throughout the Old Testament scriptures, you will see where, where vineyards were used to talk about Israel and the curses and the blessings. It's an illustration of what Jesus is talking about here, this idea that he wants to come in and live and abide in us. As you look at the I am statement at the beginning of, of chapter 15, verse 1, 
I am the true vine. So if, if Jesus makes this statement that, that he is the true vine, then I have to assume that, that there are other false vines out there that we can and often do kind of turn to. Now, I don't know about you, but, but as I look at this world today, I'm constantly shaking my head. I feel like that, that we are chasing things that have zero eternal value, eternal consequences. We often search for things that, that we think are going to fill us, that are going to make us whole, make us feel comfortable, complete. Things like money, sex, fortune, notoriety, to feel satisfied, to feel full. It's funny, you know, Michelle and I were, were in bed uh, the other night, and I'm going to keep it G-rated, that came out way wrong. So, But uh, I, I was praying over this, this point on, on false vines, and, and, and I was just asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me out with this. Give me, give me some direction here. And, and I really felt like the Holy Spirit was starting to take me down a path. He was, he was starting to point me in the right direction of, of what it was that I was supposed to share and how I was supposed to get this false vines point across. So I'll be honest with you, I started feeling pretty good about myself. I said, okay, I got this. So as I rolled over, I saw Michelle over on her, her iPhone. And I said, okay, I'm going to see what kind of false vines she's chasing. So I said, honey, what kind of false vines are you chasing over there? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? For the love of God, please tell me it's not TikTok. She smiled at me, and at that point, I knew I was in trouble. She said, I'm in the book of Jeremiah. So I tucked and rolled, you know, as I was going back to my side of the bed. I was approaching the Holy Spirit, and he's had his hands up to give me a high five. He's like, hey, how did that go? You know exactly how it went. Thank you for letting me walk into that. Come on. See, in the church... I feel like sometimes we're, we can be chasing some false vines as well. And again, the, these things, they may be good in the sense that they're not evil, that, that they're not sinful, but are they always anchored in Jesus? Sometimes I feel like we get so wrapped up in, in, in modern culture with worship styles and, and, and the, with the movements and the blessings and the, the miracles, signs, and wonders. And again, none of that stuff is bad. In fact, that's what we're after, right? We're after the pursuit of those things. We, we want to see those things. But the thing that I'm fearful of is, are we getting caught up in chasing these things? If Jesus isn't in the center of those things, we may be missing the boat. Jesus is the I am. He is the source of life of our existence. And as a branch, he tells us that we cannot survive on our own. And, and you and I, we cannot turn to these false vines thinking that they're going to give us life, that they're going to give us a sense of wholeness, a sense of, of fullness. Jesus tells us, I alone am the true vine. The other things that, that can simply, those are things that can simply take our eyes off of Jesus. Now, I get the sense, and, 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 and I, I get it, some of us are sitting out, out here thinking, well, Again, Rob, we, we do want those things. We, we do want to see miracle signs and wonders, and yes, we do, but we don't want to do it at the expense of taking our eyes off of the I am. Recently, Michelle and I were driving down the road, and uh, 
we were listening to a podcast, and, and this guy, Francis Chan, is a pastor, and this guy's done some amazing things in his career as a pastor. He, he's written books. He's, he's spoken at some really big conferences. This guy's very articulate. I mean, he was amazing to listen to. He's been a kingdom builder, soldier for God for a long, long time. And as we listened to this guy, it was, it was heartbreaking. He was, he was talking about the guilt that he was currently carrying. See, he felt like he had, at some point, had gotten out in front of Jesus and that he had taken his eye off of the I am. See, he was searching for his worth, his value in things that truly were not in Jesus. But, but as he began to just kind of confess that, you know, that he had done that, that he had kind of taken his eyes off of Jesus, he realized that in his confession that, again, preaching the gospel, writing books that will impact the kingdom in a positive way, and preaching to thousands where people will be saved is a good thing. But you can't take your eye off the I am. So the question is, is what is it in your life? I'm examining what is it in my life that, that I've been turning to, that we've been turning to, other than Jesus, to find life, to find hope, to find purpose, to find our identity, to find peace. If I'm trying to do any of these things and, and it doesn't include Jesus, it's, it's only going to end up empty. It's, it's, we'll soon be searching for something else to fill a void in our lives. See, Jesus says again, I am the true vine that is going to give you life. So let's keep our eyes on the prize, and that's Jesus. So we've established that Jesus is the vine. So what I want to talk to you about today is, is the branch. We are the branches. And I want to give you three ideas about what the description of uh, the job description of the branch is. The first is abiding. It's interesting that when you look at this word abiding, Jesus says in John 15, 4 through 5, remain or abide in me and I in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. I love this word abide. The, 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 a Greek word for abide is, is meno. It means to remain, to stay in, to rest in. It, this word just gives me this really cool picture of just chilling out and sinking into my favorite chair at home. And it's this, my wife and kids, they give me a hard time about this chair. Uh, whenever I'm lost, they know where to find me. And, and them making fun of me is pretty normal, so I'm okay with it. It's, it's good. But I love this chair so much. It, it, it's easily to identify this chair as well when you come to my house because it's the one that has all the leather on the headrest worn out. I'm okay with it. This is my place of comfort, right? But this idea of abiding, the idea of, of, of being in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through. Uh, another Greek word defines abiding this way, or the word meno this way, that it's an enduring personal relationship. Isn't that good? It's, it's an inward, enduring personal communion that we get to have with God. So what does that mean to abide in Jesus again? It means to, it means to stay here. It means to, to sink down into. It means to hold on tight, refuse to depart from Jesus. 
that when I abide in, when I minnow in Jesus, it's an inward, enduring personal communion that you and I get to have with him. Jesus desires to have this relationship with you and I. This isn't something that that we can put on autopilot and just kind of put on cruise control, if you will. We have to actively cling to. We have to refuse to depart from Jesus. There needs to be a sense of urgency in our pursuit of Jesus. Now, yes, he's like my big lazy boy recliner that I love to just sink down into and, and, and be comforted by him. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. Going back to, to that Greek definition, the inward, enduring personal communion with him. See, it's, it's, it's just experiencing life. It's, it's knowing that I need to constantly be turning my mind, turning my eyes to him, living in a reality of what it is that he's trying to do in me and through me. And this, this isn't supposed to be me gritting my teeth and just fighting to live the life of a Christian just because it's the right thing to do. See, I truly and truly just want to fall in love with Jesus. I, I want the spirit of Christ to consume my life, to believe in me, to give me wisdom, to give me direction. And again, it's not passive. I mean, yes, he's my lazy boy recliner, and I'm resting in him, and I'm finding peace in him, yet I'm clinging to, I'm pressing into, I'm holding tight to him and engaging him. You can't force this kind of relationship. This is something that takes time. Having a relationship with Jesus was never meant to be difficult. It's not something that needs to be forced. This is something that we should be cherishing and treasuring. Abiding takes time. It's it's a commitment from you. It's a commitment from me. And when we're abiding in Jesus, he will begin to change you. The word abide was used 10 times in the first 15 or 16 verses of chapter 15. I don't know about you, but I have to believe that Jesus was trying to get a pretty significant point about abiding over to his disciples. There is no life within you apart from that vine. In 1 John 2, 24 through 27, it says this, Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as he, just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. You see, many people like to visit Jesus on Sunday. They like to visit him when it's time to say grace over a meal. Jesus says, abide in me. Keep in mind, he's talking to his disciples here. These are guys who are already Christians. He's not telling these guys how to get saved. 
He's telling these guys how to be productive Christians in their Christian walk. And it all starts with abiding in him, learning to be more like Jesus. Let's do this. Let's, let's think about making a cup of hot tea, okay? And the tea, making of this tea represents the time that you're willing to spend with Jesus. There's two ways to make tea. Some people are dippers. You dip up and down, up and down. And if you're a dipper, you know the next stage is you got to get the spoon out, drop the tea bag in the spoon, and you, yeah, you take that string and you wrap around it, and you are squeezing with everything you can to get as much of that tea into that cup as you possibly can. If you're not a dipper, then you make tea the way my grandmother makes tea. You would just drop that tea bag into the hot water and just leave it alone. You, would, you, you see, when my grandmother would, would drop that tea into the, the hot water, she would just let it remain. The bag would just remain in there. So the water begins to flow in that tea bag, and that tea bag actively starts to absorb that water. And, if, and these two things are made to be together. And as you sit there and watch, you, you allow time to, to elapse, to spend time, remain in. All of a sudden, in that cup of tea, you start to see a transformation take place. Some of us think that if we pop into church on Sunday, it's enough. I'll be better. If, if we get into our Bibles, occasionally we will be better. And again, those are good things. But no, the Scripture tells us that Jesus says we must abide in him and seek a relationship with him. See, if we're going to function as Christians, if we're going to live the lives that, that, that he's called us to live it demands that we stay close to him, that we're gonna, we are going to have to pursue and diligently grab a hold of and refuse to let go of Jesus. So the natural result of abiding in brings us to our second point, which is bearing fruit. Let's look at John 15, 5 again. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If you are abiding in the vine, without a doubt, you are going to produce fruit. And, and if the branch is connected to, to the healthy vine, it's going to be the life source. The vine is going to, the energy of the vine is going to flow up through the vine and into the branches, and again, you will bear fruit. I want to share with you three characteristics that I see of fruit. The first one is, is that Fruit will always bear the character of the tree or vine that it's a part of. So, so we're not going to see apples growing on pear trees. We're not going to see strawberries growing on, on a grapevine. Are you with me? The second point is, is, is if fruit is always visible. I've never seen invisible fruit. So if you're bearing fruit, other people are going to see what's going on. I've heard Pastor Brett say this several times, that the best messages are seen and not preached. The third characteristic of fruit is fruit exists, always exists for someone else. If, if the fruit is eating itself, it's rotten. You know that you are bearing fruit when people want to be around you, that when they want to be in your space, they want to know what it is that, why do you have so much joy? Why do you have so much hope in your life? They start to realize, I want that joy. I want that hope. There's a lot of things that, that Scripture says about 
uh, the fruit of abiding in Jesus. Here's a couple. In Romans 1.13, it says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also just as uh, among the rest of the Gentiles. See, Paul is saying here in this verse that he is coming to spend, he needs to come and spend time with these believers. He, he's needing to be refreshed. He's, he's needing to be encouraged. He needs to be ministered to by maturing believers. In Colossians 1.10, it says, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. See, your, your walk of faith should always be glorifying Jesus, that because you are maturing with Jesus and you're understanding his ways and becoming more and more like Jesus, your life is gonna bear fruit. One of the most popular passages about fruit is found in Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. And Paul says this in verse, uh, verses 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things are no law. Now those who, who belong to Jesus Christ crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, we must follow the Spirit as well. So as we abide in Jesus, the evidence of the vine is going to be demonstrated in the branch. Am I becoming more like Jesus in my, my, my thoughts, and in my attitudes, in my motives, in my actions, in my words? Which ultimately will bring us to step three here, which is the pruning. See, there's a hidden X factor in the branch that the branch has access to, and it's one that Honestly, not, not many of us are real fond of. Yeah, it's, it's not the fun part. It's not the bearing of the fruit. It's not living in the life of the vine. See, pruning is, is the removal of something. Yet, yet we find in this passage that the X factor, the secret strength of the branch is pruning. Jesus mentions the Father here, God, that he, he is, he is the, 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 the vine dresser. In, in, in that in verse one, it says, I am the true vine. I am the father, the vine dresser. So he's the gardener. So think about this. If, if you're a branch, something's gonna get cut, right? There's gonna be cutting in your life. In this illustration, we're all branches. So, so we will be cut. The question is, is what kind of cutting are we going to experience? Because if we're not abiding in if, if there's no life of Christ in us, then there will be a cutting. And this cutting will be a, a removal of, a taking away of the branch from that vine. In John 15, verse 6, it says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But if we're a live branch, if we have the life of the vine within us, oddly enough, <laughs> we're still getting cut. But this cutting isn't a removal of. This cutting is a pruning for the purpose of, of bearing more fruit. He is helping us to re remove those things in our lives that are, are separating us from Jesus. 
As you look at the life of a Christian, you realize that we're not promised sunshine, unicorns, and rainbows all the time. That's just not what the Christian life is all about. In fact, Jesus tells us there will be difficulties. There there are going to be days of suffering. There are going to be hardships that you're going to face in your life. Of course, I don't know about you, but I don't really like reading those passages. I I like kind of skim over those. I like the idea of sunshine, unicorn, and rainbows myself. So I'm asking Jesus, help me understand this. If you are God and, and, and I'm a Christian and I'm, and I'm abiding in you, should I not be walking in bliss? Should I not be walking in happiness and joy all of the time? And Jesus says, yeah, you, you can be walking in joy all the time. But it's joy in the midst of the circumstances of life. It's, it's life in the midst of, of some of your difficulties. Jesus says, understand this, the world is opposed to me. And if you're truly my disciple, if you're a branch tied to my vine, the world is not going to think fondly of you either. Yet, it's through these challenges of life that God begins to leverage things in our lives, the pruning process, so so that we will become more dependent on him, so so that we will abide in him more, if you want to think of it that way, so, so that we could actually produce more fruit in our lives, that the, the very life of Christ would be evident, seen in our lives daily because of the hardships, because of the trials and the persecutions that we face. As you start to think about it, God, the vine dresser, he's more interested in the health and the life of the branch. He's not too, too concerned about the, the appearance I think so many times in our lives this is true that in our minds we, we want to focus on our appearance. You know, what is it that our social media page, what does it say about us? Do you know, uh, do we have it all together? Does it, does it look like I'm a great Christian? God really doesn't care about all that stuff because half the time it's just a facade. God is interested more in the health and the life of the branch. You could be severely cut back. I have been. And yes, it was hard. It stunk. I'll, I'll admit it. It was, it was not cool going through that, but it caused me to turn my eye back to him, to focus on Jesus, to rely on, to trust, to depend on him more and more. And, and as such, I now see this pruning process, those, those difficult days as grace that God was giving me in my life, that God used these, these prunings to produce a greater godliness and a greater Christ-likeness in me and through me. So if you're facing a hardship, if you're facing difficulties in your life, if, if there is a trial that you, you don't think that you can overcome, I would, I, I, I would ask you to say, try and find the blessing in it. God didn't cause those hardships, but he does want to, to bless you through those. You must realize that he wants to use those to, to conform you into the image of Christ. So God is leveraging all circumstances in our lives to bring about his purpose and his plan. In Romans 8, 28 through 29, it says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for, for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those who, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed 
in the image of his son. This idea of conforming, it, 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 it's, it's like playing with Play-Doh in plastic molds. I don't, I don't know if you've ever played with Play-Doh or not, but, but I'm not too far removed from the Play-Doh scene to, to remember how it all goes down. See, my daughter, she had little plastic molds of horses, and, and my son had little plastic molds of, of trucks and other little dude things that, 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 that he was into at the time. So you start out with this, this glob of Play-Doh, and you begin to smash it in and smash it in, and, and ultimately as the plastic mold gets filled, the excess starts to come out the sides. It just doesn't fit, so you begin to cut it away. He wants to prune you so that you will look like Jesus. So let's recap. The job description of the branch is, number one, to abide. As you abide, number two is going to happen, you're going to bear fruit. And then the X factor, the secret sauce of, uh, of the branches in the pruning. So I ask you, what is it in your life that needs to be pruned? What is it in your life that doesn't look like Jesus today? Another question is, is if Jesus is the true vine, is he truly everything in your life? Are you truly dependent on the true vine? Are you abiding? Are you refusing to depart from Jesus? And what kind of fruit is it that you're producing in your life? Again, Jesus is looking at his disciples, and, and he says, look, guys, don't be sad. I'm leaving, right? This is actually a good thing. If I go, I can return in my spirit. I'm going to dwell in you. My Father and I are going to come and abide in you. See, that's an awesome reality that, that you and I get to participate in because Jesus is that true vine. I really want this to be a reality for you and not, not a theory because so many times we listen to a message or we listen to a podcast and we get some good stuff out of it, yet nothing in our lives change. I don't know about you, but I, I truly want all of Jesus in my life my prayer for you is that, that this doesn't just become some good information that, that you hear this morning, that it becomes more of a flow, more of a tone that you find in your life, that you will actually abide in Jesus Christ, that you would bear fruit and that you would become more Christ-like. Paul says in Romans eleven thirty six 36, that your whole life is for him and through him and to him all things, to him be the glory forever. Amen. So it is, it is from Jesus, it's through Jesus, and to Jesus that all things. And it is in, and Jesus is the one that ultimately gets all of the glory. You know, I truly can't think of a better way to, to end this message other than to share one last verse with you. And I, and I feel like, I feel, I feel like that this verse shows the all-out commitment that Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit have for you and I. And it is John 3.16. For, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so I ask you, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Have you asked Jesus to come into your heart to be your Savior? 
I truly can't think of a, of a bigger, more important decision to be made. So I tell you what, if everybody will close their eyes and bow their heads. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, today is the day. This isn't difficult. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to be willing to enter into a relationship with him. If you've never turned over your life to him to allow him to be the leader of your life and you want to do that today, do me a favor. Just raise your hand. This is something that is between you and the Lord. I'm not going to, to make you come up here or embarrass you. I just, I just want to know that you've made that decision. You see, when someone gets saved, heaven rejoices. Our legacy family rejoices. I'll tell you what. If you're already saved, but you, you're, you're examining your life and you just haven't been living the life that you know God has called you to live. If, if you haven't been abiding in Jesus and feel like you need to recommit yourself to Jesus today, just raise your hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. God bless you guys. Anyone else? You know, I, I think heaven is still rejoicing, rejoicing today. Just, just knowing that, that there are folks in this audience that are recommitting themselves to the life of Jesus. Again, I, I want you to understand, walking with Jesus does not mean you're going to be perfect. God knows I'm not. He just wants to enter into that relationship with you. He, he wants to, to be that buddy that hangs out with you on a regular basis. So dear Holy Father, I just want to thank you so much for this morning, God, and just the opportunity to, to get together and worship as a church family, God, and just to, to praise you and, 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 and just the, the relationship that we get to have with you. God, I just want to lift up everyone in here, and God, I'm just asking for blessings, opportunities for, for us to see some false vines that may be lingering. I pray that you be gentle in the pruning process. God, we love you. We want to be more like your son, Jesus Christ, God. We thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, and most importantly, your son, Jesus. Amen.